Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the to the Rocket Talk podcast on the Best News Radio Network, where you guys can hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. I'm your host, proud host Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Locker-Dashboard.com. <clears throat> and you guys can always follow me any one of my social handles, whether it's on Twitter at Locker underscore Reports, on Instagram Lock Report 100, all small caps on Facebook LockReport.com, and also check out. The Locker Talk Podcast on Facebook. But I need you guys to subscribe on YouTube at the Locker Talk Podcast. It's growing, folks. Thank you for part, uh, for clicking and subscribing, but it's growing, so continue to stay with us as we continue to break this thing off, especially knowing that the playing season is about to start. But most importantly also, make sure you guys follow me on the Best of News Radio Network dot com where you can listen to this show at your leisure where it's always posted twenty four seven, twenty four hours a day. You guys will never ever miss out on what is being talked about here on Locker Talk Podcast. Now, okay, folks, I hope everyone is doing well. You know, good summertime weather is finally here, so I'm happy about that. For some reason, I just like hot weather more than anything. The only thing that cold weather is good for, in my opinion, is football. And that's what we're going to talk about today is good old football, which is not a surprise to no one. But instead of talking about players, I'm going to transition and talk about officiating. Um, last week, um had the pleasure and the privilege and the honor to, to be a part of the NFL um, officiating clinic once again. Um, last year, due to COVID, um, didn't have it the way how we traditionally would have it, where we would meet uh, another part in the country where we had the meetings that would progress for almost almost nearly a week. But um, with COVID, having everything set up, doing everything for us on Zoom, everything virtual, you know, everything was condensed for the weekend. Um, some of the things that we was not able to do was how the the officials normally go out and do their workouts where we go to the you know the Dallas Cowboys practice facility where they would do their drills and their combine workouts and things like that. Um go over their nutrition plans. Although I think they still were able to get their nutrition plans for the year because every official has it set up through the program where there's a certain diet that each in uh, each official has to go by that also is set up with their blood type, their age. I mean, it's really, really complex the way how they have it set up for every individual um, official to make sure they can be able to be maximized physically during the six months of football play. So it's really, really interesting in how they get into detail uh, with that and how they have to get the checks and things like that, you know, for us with um, not so much with their um, get checked out for us, you know, making sure their blood is right, making sure the blood pressure is correct, making sure that if they have any illness, to make sure they take care of it. I mean, they're really, really on top of these guys health-wise. Um, but I know physically not being able to run them down the football field, you know, just to get uh, a good look at their movement and things like that to make sure that they are physically um, able to do the moves that they would have to uh, make on the field because just like with professional athletes, it's all about mechanics. And if the mechanics are done right in ways where the officials – can be able to move laterally 
or moving and, and also to monitor their spots where your back judge, your line judge, uh, where your empire, where your referee, uh, whatever, you know, the back judge. Everybody has a certain area that they have to monitor, and they just like to see them able to move at the right proper mechanics to make sure that these guys are looking good physically moving forward. So that was the only thing that pretty much was missing. But everything else, I'm quite for sure, you know, they got. But locking everything down from um, last week, going over, some some interesting numbers, some interesting, you know, stats. Um, there were some things that they normally would talk about that they didn't, you know, talk about. Some some things they would have shown um, they didn't show. And then, you know, but as far as having uh, speakers and everything, they did have something that was a little unique. And we're going to talk about on the show here uh, today on a on Lock and Talk podcast. Now, for those who, you know, as far as we, we'll get right to the big thing, one of the biggest things that uh, stood out last year, of course, it was COVID, you know, and, and it still is. It's still a major topic um, in, in this country. Uh, we're still experiencing some, you know, um, people um, still transitioning, losing their lives. Uh, but at the same time, we have people being vaccinated. We have some people that don't want to get vaccinated for uh, whatever reasons why. So we still have it, but it's nothing like how it was last year. At least the country, for the uh, most part, has opened back up. Getting back to normalcy is something that's we all long for, and we're getting close to that. So thank goodness. I'm really excited about the fans getting being back in the stands. I'm really enjoying the NBA playoffs and seeing how the fans are, you know, packing out baseball games and, of course, football season. Can't wait, you know, for the first game, the Hall of Fame game, where the Pittsburgh Steelers play the Dallas Cowboys. I will be at that game. So I'm looking forward and seeing the fans, you know, pack that out in a ceremony. So I'm really looking forward to that, having some normalcy to breathe to say, okay, here we go. We're back to where – you know, things used to be. But at the same time, still being cautious and making sure that we are responsible and not, you know, causing harm to others. Uh, which brings us to this. Now, last year, now the NFL, they have an amazing guy. He's a really nice guy. Um, he's, he's the NFL chief medical officer. Um, that's Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Allen, Dr. Allen Seals. I uh, met this gentleman a few years ago when he first came to the officiating uh, clinic. And when he came, he talked about his whole thing was talking about player safety. He's the main medical, medical um, um, doctor. He's a top guy there uh, who was hired by Roger Goodell in 2017. So, you know, he's been around for a while. The man definitely know what he's doing. Really nice guy, funny guy as well. You know, probably, probably would be hard to see doctors with a sense of humor. He definitely has that, so I know that personally. But he's serious about his craft, and he's serious about health. And when it came down to COVID, he and his team jumped right into action, knowing that the league wanted to have that season and watching how the NBA was able to still finish that season after having a pause, um, going through the process of the draft, how everyone everything was done virtually, and then during the course of the summer, the Cause course of the summer, the NFL was monitoring, and also Dr. Allen, he was, I'm Dr. Seals, he was monitoring it as well. So with the timing for COVID happening, that that the country had got shut down in March, it gave the NFL a few months to really put a game plan together to make sure that their season will be successful, making sure that they complete their entire um, season, and then at the same time put in some wrinkles, so to speak, if something was to happen, you know, would they be able to, you know, bounce back? You know, would they be able to still sustain that season? So they had things all planned in there. And we all know 
even about with games being rescheduled, you know, because of COVID protocols. And you've seen the way how they pulled it off. I mean, shucks. They had a game on a Wednesday night. Oh, that week was fantastic. It was a game on every day of the week, you know. So that was really interesting seeing that. But um, it was really interesting seeing how when they put the COVID-19 protocols um, implemented into the NFL to make sure that everyone was safe. Now, just to give you some context, as far as the National Football League, the National Football in, um, League, and including the players, it's players, they employ a little over 12,000 people staff and players, a little over 12,000. And during the stretch from July 13th to Super Bowl, uh, uh, to the last Super Bowl that's played, uh, 54, I mean 55, they administered at least 6,200 tests a day. That's how many tests they have given every day, over 6,200 6, uh, 6, tests each day. So from that timetable from when it from when it started the the nfl had administered over a million tests uh the exact number uh from the top of my head was um one one million sixty thousand tests that they had performed from that that time span from july to super bowl 55 so there was a lot of testing they were doing there um, um daily and i know firsthand that when i went to the super bowl to cover the super bowl although i did not get tested but I definitely had to go through the protocols of making sure that I was okay, the temperature checks, the multiple temperature checks that they have taken. I mean, whether it was outside or inside, they were on top of it. And the way how they had everything spaced out, they was really really had everything spaced out as far as social distancing. They really had it, you know, all set up. They even had the system that they sent to me prior was called a policy path. I think I still had the app on my phone. And I had to take a daily test each day, six questions that they were asked, you know, are you this man systems, you know, anybody in your family, you know, blah, 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 answer, no, and the next thing you know, you was done for that day. I'm glad I followed and paid attention because when I went to go and get my credentials, there was a whole bunch of media people on the outside on their phone. I thought they was making um, communication, but as soon as I got to the gate with security, that's when the security um, guy wanted to make sure that I did all my checks, and he was like, hey, Really rude, too, with his response when he said, hey, somebody actually did what they're supposed to do. All right, you go through and get scanned. So come to find out that all the media people on the side, they didn't do that daily test. <laughs> that was that was funny. I got kicked out of it. I know you guys probably, probably, don't, probably don't see it. It's funny, but that was funny to me. You know, but I got through. So I do know that the league was really on top of the protocols last year. You listen to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow. Today, I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Locker dashreport.com. Now, back to some, some good old stats. Now, the league, like I said, has, has employs over 12,000 people, players and staff. But dating back league-wide, dating all the way back to August the 1st, to February the 6th, they actually had 726 confirmed positive cases. So that gave a positive rate of 0.08% of the entire league that had tested, um, that had a positive test for COVID-19. For me, that was astonishing, you know, to recognize that, yes, even by putting in the proper protocols to make sure that everyone is safe, yes, there were still some people that still got 
you know, got affected. I mean, I don't say affected. It sounds that's too strong. But actually had cases that came out to be positive of COVID-19. Now, there was a really interesting question that one of the officials had um, during when the, the, with the breakdown of the numbers. They asked the question, now, in terms of the officials, there are 138 officials. 29 of those officials tested positive. And the official asked, you know, Dr. Seals, you know, with all these tight protocols, how were people still testing positive? And one of the things that Dr. Seals said, the biggest thing came with, came with is your community. And when he was talking about your community, he was relating to us and to the, the officials and everybody who was on the, the virtual clinic was basically saying that whether if you go home or you, you know, with um, with your friend, with family, and friends, a lot of times people will tend to let drop their guard, so to speak. And when they drop their guard like that, you know, that's oftentimes how they will get, you know, tested positive for something like that happening. Um, it, it could be something as simple as during a time with football season. Of course, there's a little cold outside, so the window's going to be up. You find yourself in tight situations where if you're catching an Uber and you're driving, that when something like this happens or what was going on, the windows are up, your chances are if a person is affected, you can catch it that way as well. Because during that time, especially last year, nobody really knew what was going on and who had this and who had what. You know, the people just had a mask on and that was it. So when he was breaking down the communities, watching out for who you're around or who you associate with, that can cause that caused certain players and certain staff members to, you know, to get um, get hit and find positive, co- um, positive confirmed cases of COVID-19. So that was a really, really good answer. I didn't think about that. But that was the reason why he believed why certain people still got the COVID-19. So with that being said, 726 confirmed positive cases out of a little over 12,000 employees league-wide um, got caught positive doing this, and that was really interesting how they did it. Now, the highest band of positive cases they had actually came on the week of November the 22nd through, no, through the week, I mean, through the November 22nd through the 28th, where they had 85 staff members associated, I would say, with the NFL, 85. That was the highest they had in a week's time. Everything else clearly was a lot lower, you know, than that. It fluctuated, but that was the highest. So that was pretty strong considering during that time how the country was dealing with COVID-19. Now, when it got to the daily operations, that was really interesting. The part that was also really interesting was the CDC. The CDC even pulled out, they even created, um, um, I would say, a PowerPoint presentation talking about how the NFL they had made the right calls on COVID-19. So a lot of protocols that the NFL had implemented during it was really big. And we're going to talk about that when we come back and take a quick pause. Um, you listen to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. Now, speaking of which, this week, tonight, make sure you guys stay locked in on the Bachelor News Radio Network where we will feature Album Wednesday, I mean, album Friday, Friday, all of today. The feature album for today, for Friday, will be Stephanie Mills from 5 p.m. to 5.30. And make sure you guys listen to Whisper Softly, love songs from, 9, from 8 p.m. to midnight. Stephanie Mills, I tell you, I met her years ago. 
this lady is really, really small, but very, very nice lady. So make sure you guys, if you love Stephanie Mills, make sure you stay locked in the bachelorsnewsradionetwork.com where we play Stephanie Mills for she is our featured artist from 5 to 5.30. You listen to Lock and Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of locker-port.com. And make sure, make sure you guys stay locked in with the Bachelor News Radio Network where you hear about some fantastic artists. And make sure you guys follow Today, right after this show at 9.30, make sure you stay locked in with a dose of the Don show where we have our very own, um, we have our very own Miss, um, Miss Cox, where she will come in and handle this show for she will give a dose of reality about love, life, and drama from the DJ Don's perspective. So make sure you guys stay locked in after this show, found the show at 9.30 with a dose of Don's show. So it's going to be really, really, really great. So, Miss Yanni Knox, make sure you stay locked in with her. She's doing a fantastic job. Now, back to talking about the breakdown as far as with what the league had put in place with the COVID. Now, right before I took that break, I did talk about how the daily operations was. And the daily operations was this. Now, very stringent protocols. Every meeting, of course, obviously was virtual. So everyone was virtual. But – in the weight room, and if you know the players got to lift weights, they have to go and work out. So in the in the weight room, they had a max capacity of only 15 individuals. Only 15 people can be in there, and that's normally 10 players and five staff members. That was it. That was the most that could be inside a weight room. Now there was no in-person gathering on outside of the facilities, nor on the team travel. So they really had a, a good stringent setup that all those, everyone that got tested knew that they were going to get on the plane or whatever they were going to get on, that everyone was going to be gathered in this one area, whether it was a plane or transportation. That's for a fact that they knew that everyone been tested, everyone was cleared, everybody was fine. But as far as gatherings, on, um, large gatherings, that, that was prohibited. They couldn't do that. In a cafeteria. The cafeteria, the main, the meal rooms access was very limited. No one was able to sit inside the cafeterias or the meal or the um, the meal areas. Everything was grab and go meals only. So even with the players, when they came in the cafeteria, they just grabbed that stuff and they went to where they was going to go at, where they knew they were going to be safe. So there was no one sitting inside the cafeterias. And then the um, locker rooms, there was confined. They 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 reconfigured they reconfigured the locker rooms. So there had been um, distance between the players, and also they also had plexiglass separators. You know, so it was if they couldn't do too much of a rearrange of the locker room, they had plexiglass dividers all over the place. So that was something that was set up inside there. And then with the players themselves, they actually limited their small groups. Now, when you have when I talk about limited small small um, groups that you're going to have the receivers with the receivers. You're going to have the old linemen with the old linemen. You're going to have the defense, um, the linebackers and linebackers. But they have to break up in groups because they do have their own meetings and things they have to go through and learn things They and, and also um, programs they have to go through. So that's how that whole thing was set up with that. You know what? I knew it was something I forgot. I forgot the music. Y'all guys probably bored the whole time as I'm breaking this whole thing thing down. I do apologize. Let's get some a good flow and great vibe inside here. Okay, now. When they talked about the distance within locker room, we said we had it all set up with the players, so that was really good. Now, when it came down to masks, now, as you know, everyone with masks, everyone had to wear a mask, or they had to wear a shield 
which was really, really important. Even when it came into the workout rooms, they had to actually have a medical mask. They had to make sure that they was covered even when they did their workout or a shield. Um, the testing, like I said, they had the testing. Now, this is the cool part about the, about the entire thing with the, the NFL season. Not once, not once there was a case where there was the, the, the transmission of the disease. Not once did it come through while they was playing on the field. So there was no transmission of the disease while playing on the field. That was amazing throughout the entire season because what they do is every player, every member has to get, had to get tested before their arrival to the stadium. So all the officials, they had to get tested at the hotel. Now, the results to find out if they was positive or negative, it only takes anywhere between 20 to 30 minutes. So they will find that out a lot sooner. So before they even went to the stadium, they had to get tested at the hotel. Everyone had to get tested in the hotel. And so when everyone that passed, when they got to the stadium, that's why on the field and on game day, there was no transmission of the disease throughout the entire season. That was phenomenal. That actually, that's one of the reasons why the CDC used the NFL as uh, a demonstration of how things can be done in the COVID season if the proper protocols are in place. So the NFL was the proof of that, and that was something that the CDC wanted the country to recognize that the league was on top of it. So that was a great, great thing that the league was able to produce last year and keep everything safe. So. That pretty much was the, the protocol, the breakdown. Now, going into this year, there will be the, 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 the protocols will be lightened just a little bit. And what I mean by a little bit, for instance, with the officials, they all had to be um, tested till before they got to the stadium. This year, the, the, the officials, which, which is all of them, you know, it's not like you know, in the case with the players, which is all of them, they now are all vaccinated. And instead of getting tested at the hotel, they can actually get tested at the stadium. So as soon as they get to the stadium, they get tested. It takes about 20, 30 minutes to find out the results. After they get the results and they, they clear the, the shows that they are negative, then they'll be allowed into the stadium. So that's one of the things that's going to change this year because of the vaccine. Or with, with the vaccine. So instead of doing that, they can wait till they get to the stadium. So that's going to be, you know, a good thing there. As far as with everything else, as far as um, having the um, hand sanitation, you know, having areas that, you know, to to make sure that you're clean and you do everything you're supposed to do personally, they're going to still have that up. Uh, will they open up some of the cafeteria areas? They will, you know, um, open up some more room. They'll be a little more, more lenient, but at the same time, the league still have to be careful because not all the players are vaccinated. And you have a lot of players that's planning on not getting vaccinated. You know, so the league had put something out very strong, very stringent, which is which is, I, I would have to say that I agree with that. You know, if there's a team that um, that fell short um, and couldn't play a game because there was their unvaccinated players had caused a situation where they had an outbreak, not only will the team forfeit their game, but they also won't get paid for that week too. You know, so I think that's you know pretty you know that's pretty aggressive. But you want to make sure that everyone is okay, um, make sure that they still have another successful season. So I, I would say that's 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 pretty good. I'm quite for sure that majority of the players that were not going to get vaccinated, most of them will 
get vaccinated, and then everything will be all set up. So it's, it's going to be a good thing. So I'm happy about that. So that's something they put in place. They actually have released last, um, sometime during the week. So it's going to be really interesting seeing how that's going to play out. Now, another thing that stood out that was really interesting was like when I talked about some guest speakers they had there. Normally, through the NFL clinic, they do not have, um, I would say, current head coaches. They normally would have um, head coaches, former head coaches, to come and talk to the referee, uh, to officials, and also to learn from the officials. I remember um, they had Jim Swartz. He was there one year. Um, then we had um, Chuck Pagano. He was there um, one year, which was really good, you know, to talk to those guys, you know, off script, you know, not being on the sideline, all amped up to see them in their human element. So that was really cool. But they never had active current head coaches at the clinic. This year they had Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores and Carolina Panthers head coach Matt Rule. Now, Matt Rule was really, really excited to be there. He was on vacation with his family, you know, so that was really good. While Flores, like, he was at the Miami headquarters ready to go to work. I mean, he he was in game mood right then and there. He was ready to go. You know, he had his football gear on and everything, his shirt, when Matt Rule was unshaven inside his hotel room with his family. That was funny to see how that was set up. But Matt Rule, Matt Rule had said something that was very interesting, that he said that when he was in college, he attended the seminars, but they said the summit with the Big 12 when they had the summits with officials. He would be the, he said he was the only head coach that would attend the, the, the summit. And so he's really vested into officiating. One of the things that had jumped out off, off the page for me last year was that, and I totally forgot about, was that during training camps, None of the officials were able to attend the training camps. So the teams had to officiate themselves and practice themselves. And so when, the play, so when they got on the field to play their games in the regular season, it's very important that the officials would have been at training camp because, according to Matt Rule, they used the officials to help flag them during practice so certain things they can work on they're going to try to get it worked out, work the kinks out, so when it's time for them to take this field, they won't get hit with too many flags. So with the officials being there during training camp, that helped them to be able to know how to coach out of situations so that their players won't be continuing getting flagged because they didn't practice it. They wasn't coached. And since Matt Rule, first-time head coach in the NFL, he was a little lost. So he had a lot, a lot of questions for the officials, especially in the beginning part of the season. He said sometimes coaches, he would throw a challenge flag because, of course, they would tell him to throw a challenge, but he would use that time just to figure out what went wrong. And he said in most cases he was wrong, you know, nine times out of ten, and then he said probably ten times out of ten. But he used those situations to learn from the officials on what to do in the field. So he's really, really engulfed in the process. Um, um, You know, with with, – um, Brian Flores, you know, with him being in the league for uh, for a number of years, you know, he's familiar with it and everything. Uh, he knows how the officiating is, so he was able <clears throat> to have a benefit. And with the veteran, uh, with the veteran um, head coaches, you could tell that when the season came, they were familiar with the league rules. They were familiar with the officials, so it wasn't too much of a real big adjustment. But he's very, very passionate about officiating as well, and how he tells his players that that they need everybody, everyone from the, the field crew to the janitors to the people that wrap their ankles and, of course, the officials. 
They cannot play the game without them. So he tells them to respect the offici- uh, to respect the officiating process and the officials on the field because that's the way how he approached the officiating. So when the league had reached out, those two guys responded, and they gave some solid, solid input about what goes on their side in regards of officiating. And officials, they interjected, asked some questions, you know, how to be more community, you know, how they could be more open and being more transparent on the field so that they can actually know how to handle each other and respect each other um, moving forward for each game. So that was something there that was really interesting as well. Now, coming up in a shorter time, I will talk more about the officiating next week because there were some more things to get into, you know, as far as with the player safety aspect and one of their main, main, main points of emphasis that they're going to focus on this year. Now, it's one of those points of emphasis that's going to be split down the middle, and I will tell you that. It will be split down the middle, meaning that they're going to have some people going to say, well, that's a part of the game. They can't take that part away. And then you're going to have another half saying, good, I'm glad they're going to emphasize that part there because we have little kids watching. You know, so for those parents out there, the league is going to do something to, you know, to try to have control um, during this 2021 season and beyond with one of their main points of emphasis. Thank you for tuning in to the Locker Talk podcast where you hear about NFL stars tomorrow. Today I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of LockerDashport.com. Make sure you guys follow me on any one of my social handles on Twitter. At Locker underscore report on Instagram, Locker Report 100, all small caps on Facebook, LockerReport.com, and also check out Locker Talk Podcast on Facebook. But go to YouTube, subscribe today to Locker Talk Podcast that's on YouTube, and make sure you guys stay locked in on the Bash News Radio Network.com where you can listen to the show at your leisure at any time, 24 hours a day. Everyone stay blessed. Talk to you guys soon, and make sure to stay locked in for a dose of dime with um, Yanni Knox. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Poppies, it's Yanni, your DJ, and dance second with today's dose of dime. Oh my gosh, it is a full moon on Friday. How do you feel about that? I don't know what is the full moon. I mean, is it something that you guys look forward to? Do you care? Do people go crazy in your family when this happens? I don't know. Uh, I have my own things that I love to do on Fridays because Fridays are always a wonderful day for me, especially when I get to talk to you guys. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bachelor News Radio Network. And you've got me, Yanni, your DJ, and Dance Junkie with today's Dose of Dive. And I want to remind you guys that you can call in at any time. So why many people want to hear the show? Because I know I've got some Facebook fans on there. Hi, guys. Uh, watching right now, and I also have uh, people that are listening online. But you can call in at 646-929-0130, and you can uh, leave a message or a comment or hit the uh, chat board and leave me a question if you need to or anything else that you guys got going on. Uh, so do this. I do have a Facebook group that we kind of uh, – play around with a bunch of questions and uh, talk about different relationship issues and different, you know, ways to kind of reevaluate what's going on in your life. And I call it the Dose of the Dime Facebook group. And it is a public group, guys. You can find it right now. Get on there um, and hit subscribe or hit, you know, I guess it's join. So hit join and come in and have fun with us. So, okay. 
So what we do is we talk about it. We talk about the different topics. And then, of course, you know, we get into some healing stuff. We talk about different issues. We don't allow infighting, of course. But that's kind of a, it's a good way for us to get out and talk about the things that are affecting us in relationships and in our community. Hey, TNZ, love you. See you there, girl. All right. So last week's show, we talked about toxic people. And let me tell you, it was an interesting show. We had a lot of call-ins. It was pretty good. I had a lot of questions. It's because toxic family is one thing. Toxic people are another. Um, And so I hope you had everything answered that you needed to because we talked about what to look for, uh, what the red flags are when you're dealing with toxic people, especially in your workplace. Um, well, no, especially in a relationship, but definitely in your workplace. Because if you're dealing with a toxic person in your workplace, you always want to see YOA. And if you don't know what that is, uh, you better Google it. All right. So today's topic is narcissism and narcissistic people, okay? So where did this thing begin? It actually began, it's like Greek mythology. There was this guy, Narcissus. He was uh, on this path, this mission, and he stopped by a pool of water, and he looked at it, and he saw himself, and it was so lovely, and he fell in love with his image. So what happened was he ended up falling in love with his image, and he stopped doing everything he didn't need, he didn't continue his mission. He just stayed there and looked at himself, and so he died, right? Okay, so that's where the term narcissistic, all right? The actual definition is an excessive interest in or an admiration for oneself. So it's a misconception. We are using it like a $10 word. Oh, you're just a narcissist. I think my kid called me a narcissist. I was like, really? Let's talk about the definition of a narcissist because little bits of narcissism is actually a good thing. It's not, okay, let's say this in a way. The self-love aspect of narcissism is a decent thing. If you have little bits of self-love, you know, pride, um, the way that you present yourself, the way that you handle yourself, the way that you put yourself first, those things are good things. That's kind of a healthy thing to have. It's when it becomes a, a problem, when you're using people, that's narcissistic behavior. That's when you want to um, definitely start looking, okay, I, I feel a little used. I feel a little triggered. That's when you want to start looking at your partner and say, hey, what's going on, yo? Okay, hey, Laura, I see you, girl. Okay, so listen, on the uh, dealing with narcissists, we refer to narcissists in, in a really haphazard way because, honestly, narcissism actually is a person suffering from narcissistic personality disorder. That is a diagnosable, treatable problem, okay? So when, that's why therapists, including myself, get really turned off when people are, yeah, he's just a narcissist. Do you know what a narcissist is? There are like eight criteria that you need to diagnose a narcissist. Uh, well, eight criteria that you can look from, five of that you need to diagnose it. So what I want you to do is understand that one, in a personality disorder, it's kind of weird because they don't know that they have it. That's their personality. They feel like it's normal, just like breathing. Just like I'm going to go get groceries and eat. They don't understand that this is going on. It's just something that they, it's who they are. It's their personality. So with the nature of narcissistic personality disorder, people who have this, they have an inflated ego. Like I was born to be a star. Like more so than people with confidence. It's a little different, okay? So 
they are the people that are probably not going to be seeking help. So that's the one thing. The of the people in the United States that are diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, first of all, it's only like 200,000 a year. And of those people, and that's like a roughly 0.5 of the United States population, okay? It's just, it's, it's a personality disorder. They don't know that they're doing this garbage until somebody points it out. And unfortunately, with the nature of narcissistic personality disorder, even when you point it out, that's when it becomes a huge problem because the nature of their personality disorder is I'm the best. What do you mean? I don't have a problem. You have the problem. That's why it's hard to diagnose because the people won't come in. And then, of course, uh, it's hard to diagnose because they feel like I'm the best. What are you talking about? There's nothing wrong with me. All right. So do know this. I have been told that, you know, I tend to cater to women, and I, again, I am an advocate for women. I'm also an advocate for Black Lives Matter. I'm an advocate for the LGBTQ Alphabet Mafia Squad. So I do understand that sometimes I, I probably do speak in a way that caters to women, but do not come at me. Do understand that <laughs> of those 0.5% of those U.S. population cases, 75% of them are men. We ain't gonna talk about it. We ain't gonna say don't come at me. I'm just saying, of those, that's 150. Of those 200,000, 150,000 of them are men. I didn't make the math. Just saying that out loud. Okay, so the goal of this show is not necessarily for you to diagnose anybody. Hey, Ricky, what's up? Don't diagnose anybody. Do not go and say, hey, the Don said that this is you have personality disorder. Do not do that. Do not come at me. First of all. Don't tell your boo that. I didn't say anything. I don't even know you, okay? So I'm saying this to say for you, these are warning signs that you need in order to look out for and protect yourself, okay? So before we get into the warning signs, I did want to take a moment to pay the man and let you guys know that I am on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and let me tell you, it is a wonderful place to be. Let me tell you some things that they got going on. First of all, they have feature album Friday, so that's today. Every Friday, they're going to feature an artist, and they're going to go in on their, you know, on their whole discography. And this is actually today from, if you're in um, Central Standard Time, it is 6.30 p.m. If you're in Eastern Standard Time, it's going to be 5.30 p.m. And it's a whole 30-minute segment just uh, dedicated to one artist. And today, they're doing Stephanie Mills. Now, Stephanie Mills was part of my growing up, like, I feel good all up. Y'all didn't hear me sing. Y'all didn't want to, y'all didn't come to it in here to sing. That's, that's a bit, that's sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, so yeah, Stephanie Mills is the woman today. And let me tell you, Sister Girl is tiny and got a powerful voice. You want to tune in, you want to hear this, okay? You can find this on thebachelornews.airtime.pro. That's the bachelor, which B A T C H E L O R news.airtime.pro. The other thing I want to make sure you guys know, I am not going to sing for you guys. It's not it's so awful. It was so bad. All right, that weeknights, every weeknight but Saturday from 8 p.m. to midnight, they have a new segment. Whew. Oof. Whisper softly. It's nothing but love songs. I love it. I love love songs, especially the, you know, the sexy ones. 
So, yeah, definitely tune in for that. Again, weeknights every day, but Saturday, 8 p.m. to 12 midnight. I love it. I love it. I love it. I hope you guys tune in and get some of that love, especially at night. You know, put, put it on, do your chores, get cleaned up, and then get cleaned up. Okay, we're going to talk about that later. <clears throat> All right, so what to look for when you are dealing with people in your life and you want to make sure that you got a good, decent person, okay? Now, understand, when we talk about diagnosing, and again, this is not for you to diagnose anybody. Do not come for anybody. So, you know what? You look like you got, no, don't do that. There are people, those of us that went to tons of school to diagnose people, and even we sometimes don't want to diagnose people. So do understand that it is not one of these things. It is this thing plus this thing plus this thing plus this thing. That makes them narcissistic. Now, the goal of today, again, is to make sure that you feel comfortable with the person that you love. And at the end of the day, if you love this person, love, love is a very fickle thing. I will say that the goal of relationships is for you two to be happy and build together. But if you're having problems building with somebody that because of, you know, what's going on with them, then maybe it's time to kind of pause, pump the brakes, right? So let's talk about some things when you're getting into a relationship, because the goal is to see them before you fall in love. Communication. You want to watch how they communicate. Narcissists can um, fake it for only so long. The nature of their, their personality disorder, they cannot fake it for very long. Eventually, they're going to come for you. So what do I mean by that? The number one thing that you want to understand about narcissists is everything is geared towards them being successful or everything is geared towards them being in control, okay? So meaning that everybody always sees the best in them. Uh, everybody, you know, sees, oh, yeah, they are the best because they feel like they're the best. And so you should feel like they're the best, okay? So... They'll brag, they're boast. I had this one guy, okay, I, have, I was on the phone with this one guy who was, who was chopping it up, and I, I had these earbuds in, right? And so we're chopping it up. My earbuds are dead. Like, I have to switch it all up. It took me two minutes, I promise, to find the case, put it back in the case, switch the phone back to thinking I thought I had lost it. No, he was still talking. He was still talking, had not missed the beat, did not know that I wasn't even on the phone call. It had been two minutes. I'm just putting that out there. They don't like to be corrected. So if you're saying something, and, or they say something, you know, it doesn't sound right. Wait a minute. Don't you mean da-da-da-da-da? That they're going to respond to that, and they're going to respond pretty ugly. Okay? And, and what I mean by ugly, first starting out, of course, you're going to always get their representative. So you want to make sure that you dig into the conversation. Um, and when they don't like what you're saying, they're going to deflect, which means they're going to put it on you. They're going to divert, which means they'll change the subject. Or they're going to evade, meaning they're going to just talk about something that makes absolutely no sense, just to get you off of the subject, Okay. They, they do this kind of to not answer direct questions. They do this kind of to, uh, they don't want to be caught in a lie ever. So they're going to, again, deflect, divert, evade, all right? So, okay, I'll, I'll tell you a surefire way to kind of figure out whether or not you have a narcissist. Pick a couple of times to say, if they ask for something, to say no. 
I got to do something. Oh, can we go out to eat tonight? Yeah, no, I can't do it tonight. Watch them try to persuade you to come in. Watch them try to uh, wiggle their way into your life. Watch if they don't get what they want. Watch them throw a fit. Or watch them ghost you. Because remember, the goal of uh, definitely, the goal of narcissism is because they want someone that is, that's good for them, okay, that's going to help them in some way, okay? They are pushy in their conversation. So if you tell them no, they're going to try to push their way to make you say yes, okay? They presume to know what's best for you. Like, they don't even know you. Like, they just met you, maybe have a few morsels of information about you, and they already decided what it is that you should do with your life. And and sometimes, you know, it comes with, oh, he thinks I could do that. <laughs> no. You know what's best for your life. And and that's part of the reason why narcissists, unfortunately, end up dealing with people who are people pleasers and who are indecisive because they crave that structure. And narcissists are happy to provide it. Trust. They need your attention. So you're having a conversation with the narcissist. And you start talking about, too, maybe it's something positive that you had going on. Maybe it's something that, you know, um, ended up happening. And you'll notice that they'll lose interest or they'll play with the phone or they'll uh, switch the conversation. Your good things are not as good things. Um, they will, uh, what do we call it, sassy, sweet, compliment you. Oh, that's great. I, 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 when I was starting out, you know, I did that, too. So it's a compliment but it's not, okay? So you want to be on the lookout for that. Your accomplishments mean absolutely nothing to them. They want you to praise them, okay? And they'll, they'll trick you into it. So let's get, we, we got to keep moving because it's a lot of information. All right, so, okay, so say you're going to invalidate and define who you are. So what does that mean? So for instance, say, and unfortunately this is how I got into sushi, we're not going to talk about it. Say you're like, I don't like sushi. And the narcissist is like, oh, sure, you'll like sushi. You just haven't been to the right restaurant. No, I really don't like sushi. The idea of eating raw fish is kind of it. No, you'll like it. Watch, when I take you to this place, you'll love it. I promise. Okay, I I really don't, I think I don't want to go because the idea of eating raw fish is ugh to me. And then the guy was like, well, no, for real, I'll, I'll take you and we'll go and you'll change your mind. You just haven't had the right. They're pushy. And they'll, they tell, first of all, he said, oh, you'll like sushi. I've already told him I didn't. I'm, I'm hooked on sushi, by the way, we're not going to talk about that. But I already told him I did it, so he invalidated the fact that I said no. Then he went on to define, to rationalize why it was that I disagreed with him. And it was, oh, well, you've not had it at the right place. Now, don't understand this by itself does not make a person a narcissist, so do not go for somebody that kind of does this. We all kind of do this when we want somebody to enjoy the things that we like. It does not make them a narcissist. But this is a red flag for someone who might be a narcissist. So I do need you to understand the difference, okay? All right, so... Let's move forward. If you have questions about the communication aspect, I really would like to hear it, okay? They are grandiose in their self-image. Like, they felt like they were born with a crown on their head. They like they deserve special treatment. And when they don't get special treatment, you will hear about it. Or you will hear about who, 
what's who they told off about it. And I don't mean fair, human, just treatment. I'm talking about, well, they didn't do this for me. Why didn't they do this for me? They did it for them. They believe that they deserve the best treatment, that they are the epitome of fineness and quality and royalty and, you know, all of this should come to me. Yeah, it's, it's a thing, okay? So they believe that they are always the MVP. They always believe they have the best job and they're doing the best job. And I don't understand why I have to come in for a uh, evaluation. I'm the best. Just give me my four points and give me my raise. They believe that they're the best, okay? But and when things are going wonderful, it's all because of them. It's because of them that, this, that things are going wonderful. It's when it's not going wonderful, they're going to start blaming people. And guess where they're going to go? They're going to blame people. They're going to blame things. And then eventually they're going to blame you. They buy nothing but expensive labels. They show them off. They rent cars that they sometimes cannot afford. These types of things, they believe that they are royalty and that I don't understand why I was born in this poor woman's body. That's not, we never talked about that. Okay, anyway. So they also have unrealistic expectations about things. Like they romanticize a lot about dates and um, occurrences. And if it does not meet their standards, they're upset about it. Okay. Rules and boundaries. No such thing. First of all, we already talked about sex. They cannot handle the answer. No, if you really, really want to know, if you have a narcissist on your hands, find something simple to just say no to and watch them try to push their way through. Not convinced? Try it again. If you honestly really think you have a narcissist on your hands, and if you do, they're going to eventually throw a fit or leave you alone because, no, they cannot handle it. They believe that they should get everything that they want. I mean, it's all... Honestly, I mean, if they were positive in nature, they, they would be the perfect manifestors, but they go about it in such an ugly way that they can't manifest anything but negativity. We ain't going to talk about that. Anyway, so they don't like waiting in lines. They do not like abiding by the rules. They believe they're better than others. So this rule doesn't apply to me. They're the ones that are always speeding, always speeding. They're the ones that um, don't like waiting in line. They'll cut. They'll cut, and it's, it's not even a thing. And they have an all-or-nothing mentality, so meaning that you're either with me or you're against me. There is no middle ground. There is no, no compromise. This is what I want. This is the way I want it, and this is what I want to get it. And, and if you don't give it to me, then obviously you don't like me. You don't love me. I thought, you know, I thought that you loved me. So why wouldn't you get this for me? They break rules, push boundaries very quickly. Okay, so we're going to talk about that later when it gets into love bombing. They love bomb. And that's one of those ways that they push those boundaries. They start saying, I love you, calling you baby within the first week, month. And I'm not just, again, I go back to, I know I talk in a certain way, but when I'm talking about it, I really am talking about men and women because there are some women narcissistic. Man, let me tell you. So do not feel like any kind of way that this is just for women. Men have encountered men who are narcissists. Men have encountered women that are narcissists. And, and let me tell you, it is, it is an ordeal because here's the next piece of it. They are all into manipulation, passive aggressive behavior like the silent treatment. They'll infantilize you like, oh, sweetheart, you just, you just don't know yet that because you may have a lack of knowledge on a subject or even a lack of life experience on it. Oh, well, let me tell you how it works. 
Yeah, they infantilize. That's also a form of manipulation trying to kind of, um, uh, what is the word? I can't remember. But they're, they're trying to mold you into what it is that they want you to be. They'll rationalize their behavior. If you didn't feel like something was like they will rationalize and, and understand when I say rationalize, I mean why, to make themselves the better person, okay? Uh, one of the number one things that people will remember about narcissists is that they vilify. And what does that mean? So say they did something wrong. And say you called it on to say, hey, this, what did you do? And they will use one. They will turn it around so that it looks like you were the person that did it. And then they'll gaslight you about it. So what does that mean? They'll change stories, change facts create lies, make you the villain. They vilify you. And then when you get upset and angry about it, they'll say, see, see, you're uncontrollable. You're crazy. I don't even know why I messed with you. Nobody else is going to want you. Why, why are you You're always going off on somebody? This, this isn't love. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. They vilify you. This is one of the things that, that our narcissists are known for, okay? And they don't care who they manipulate, by the way. Parent, sister, brother uncle, cousin, you, your mate, their mate, whatever. It doesn't matter. So why is that? They have a lack of empathy. Okay, so some researchers say lack of empathy. So let's talk about that. Uh, empathy is the, the ability to understand what somebody else is feeling. So if I walk across the kid, they got a blood on their knee and they're crying, I know, oh, my God, that baby hurt, hurt herself. So I go, I comfort that child. That's empathy for this child. I'm not feeling her pain. That's sympathy. But I do understand what it feels like to bust your knee. So I give her empathy. That's narcissists don't have that. And some researchers actually saying that they do, but they're unwilling to get it because it is a flaw. They have to self-protect. And that's fine. But they don't understand what it is that they're doing and how it is that they feel and why it is that you react the way that you do, but they will use all of that against you. So that's why, I guess, I, guess, well, I can't 100% say that's why, but that is a reason towards why it is that narcissists are able to do these things in a manner that makes you like, I, I don't even know what happened. I, I'm crazy. I, I love this person, and they're just treating me ugly. And you would think that somebody that loves you would not, right? Okay. That's that empathy that they're lacking. So with all of these negative things that I'm talking about, why is it that so many people feel like they were narcissists? Who these MFs are charming. Most of them are very into their body, athletic. They are working out at the gym. They are buying designer lines. They look good, and they're sweet, and they pick up on subtle conversation cues. So love bombing is one of the tactics that we talked about. We talked about it a couple of uh, episodes ago when we talked about red flags. Love bombing, let's talk about it. Uh, I got about five minutes, so let's work this out. So love bombing is, okay, so say you have a favorite teacher. You go in and this teacher gives you stickers. They, they put you at the chalkboard. You answer questions. And they always say, oh, my God, you're so awesome. You're so wonderful. And it's almost like you are the best in the class. And you're like, yes, I love my teaching. You like going to school. And every week is like this for like three months. And every day you get stickers. You get rulers. You get candy. You're at the front of the class. They're making it seem like you are the best. 
and 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 then one day you come to school and they're totally shut off. And so you try to get in their face, and they ignore you. That's love bombing. So what it is is they pour on the affection, they pour on the charm, they pour on everything that they have managed to find out about you, which is another thing, guys, keep your Facebook profile uh, private. Um, they, they utilize the information that they have managed to get a hold of. They feign, and I mean fake, uh, being interested in the things that you are interested in in order to get next to you. Okay, so do they do this on purpose? Yes, but their reasoning is a little different. You feel like you're special because they pour all this attention on you, and they feel like you're special. But that's the thing. Remember what I said? Narcissists want people that can better them. They think you're special, too, and they feel like if they have you, they also are special. So, it's again, to, uh, you're being used for their means, okay? And when they're done with you, they'll drop. Now, if they wanted to continue to play with you, they'll do what they call breadcrumbing. So, like, if you gave somebody $100 every week and then all of a sudden you gave them nothing, and then they come back, but what happened to my $100? I want my $100. And then they're like, okay, I'll give you you $25. And you're happy to get this $25 because you haven't had much in a while. That's breadcrumbing. So every now and again they'll give you a very little bit of what it was that they gave you in the beginning, but because you were so smitten, I mean, this is where the the soulmate fallacy comes in because people believe they've met their soulmate because the narcissist is very good at mimicking everything that they need and very good at listening and deciphering what it is that you want until they don't want you anymore. And then that's where it becomes a problem, okay? So if it, it does feel like it's too good to be true, it probably is. If they are rushing the relationship again and they're pushy about it, then definitely slow it down because it feels like the honeymoon phase, but it, it is too good. People fight. People get into it, especially when the representative leaves. If you've not gotten into it with your mate, your representative is still in charge because people are different. Growth is hard. All of this is supposed to be a challenge because you're supposed to work together to get it done. I mean, so it's it's a whole thing, right? All right, so I'm running out of time, my love. So obviously there's going to be a part two. We're going to talk about it because this was the overt narcissist. There's a covert. And the difference is one is uh, extroverted, one is introverted. So it's not going to look the same. I hope you tune in for that. So I am Yanni, your DJ and Dan Stucky with today's Dose of Dime. And I do want to once again thank the Bachelor News Radio Network. And any time that you guys want to tune in and check out any of the other shows, you can do so at 646-929-0130, or you can hit it up on the, um, on the website. Also, please join me in the Facebook group, A Dose of Dime. And also, I want to remind you that we're doing Feature Album Friday, Stephanie Mills. That's going to be at 5.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central. And I hope you turn in to Whisper Softly Left Song on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Have a good one. Sometimes we fall.